Hi, everybody. Good morning. I'm MG. And I am Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. And we are bringing you this podcast today. Um, well, I just want to remind you that the podcast is uh, where MG and I bring our experience in life to you and um, working our program because it's so easy to stay sober in the rooms, you know, when you're in a meeting or meeting with your sponsor, but it's when you have to actually take that, take that little sobriety out for a walk in the forest, you know, <laughs> it can be very scary sometimes. It can be very scary. So that's what we're, we, you know, that's the, the, the thought behind it, this podcast. And today we want to talk about like that, that thing where some get it and some don't. Or they get it and it's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I rolled my eyes. Yeah, yeah, I do. I am judgy. There's been this whole group of, or not even a group because it's sporadic where people come and go. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's alarming how many people are no longer in here and why is it that some you know and do is it like they get it and they they leave or is it that they um they don't want to do it they can't they can't commit to the it is a really tough process it is a tough process and what i what what i think and and let me just have full disclosure that when i went to new york i went for graduate school and for the first three years that i was in new york I probably went to two SLAA meetings. So I didn't work that. I mean, I was in school. I, I would go to AA meetings because they were, you know, um, easier to get to. There were They're more prevalent. of them There's, prevalent. Yes. Mm-hmm. New York City has a very vibrant AA community, really targeted for the newcomer and not so much for like the old timer. And they were like, oh, you've got, you know, two decades worth of sobriety. Why aren't you a GSR? Why aren't you doing service? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of in this program. And they were like, "Uh uh-huh. You know, they weren't buying it. And so I felt like, you know, judged from AA or whatever. And so, and then I I did like get invested in Al-Anon. I did like a lot of Al-Anon work when I was in New York. So um, I feel like I had gotten to a place of stability around my addiction, my SLAA uh, addiction, and so I felt like I could go and try and do some other stuff. But the minute that I got back into Houston, I was so excited because the Houston recovery is so strong for this, and so I was glad to get plugged back in. And I'm glad that you were still around and still working, and and some of the other women as well. And so what what I think is that, um, and, and just based on a couple of people that I know, I feel like they got as much information as they needed and so they got to a level where they were like this is good enough i'm not going to act out in my disease any longer or i'm not going to do this and i'm okay and so i don't want to say i mean i feel like when someone says i want to go investigate this thing i'm like there's golden in their heels go over there see what you can find extract whatever it is you need out of it and, you know, come back and, or, or not. And so I feel like people have come to SLAA to, like, mine the treasures out of it. Correct. And they've gotten information that has helped them. It might not be their primary disease or it might, they, they got enough that it was um, helpful for them Sufficient, to get over yeah. the guy. 
and they've gone on with their life to do other things. I think other women as well have gotten like a lot of strength from recovery and they had a goal when they came into SLA. I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to have a healthy relationship. And they figured out how to do that and then they leave. They take all that gold with them and then you know they go and live on their lives and you know i don't i'm not close with anybody (coughs) that has exited the program and so my experiences is that my favorite people are the people who um realize that my addiction my recovery evolves that you know like we went to a meeting yesterday where we were talking about um you know, powerlessness. And for me, my powerlessness right now is all in my my codependency shit. You know, the stuff that where I want to try to figure out how to control other people and get them to do what I think is right. And the struggle is to, you know, keep my mouth shut and work on me. And, you know, I think you mentioned this yesterday, too, that um, <laughs> well, I know, like, if I'm doing that, you know, there, if I'm looking at someone else and scheming and thinking, if I say this, if I do that, maybe if I, you know, that I probably need to be looking at me. And that the attention for that type of work needs to be on me, not on someone else. My therapist used to say, if I've got one finger pointing at somebody else I've got three pointing back at me Mm -hmm. so that's like the level of the work it's like if if I'm looking at them then I have three times as much work that I need to focus on myself and I hated that so much when he told me because I'm like no it's them no (laughs) it is but (laughs) right it's also and it and it may be that there is an issue but we can't you know and I know this I can't change anybody else I can only change me And so my work is, you know, now is in learning to deal with those uncomfortable situations where I really feel like I want to direct someone or tell them what to do. And even with sponsees, I get frustrated, you know, and I want them to, you know, and I try to figure out how to tell them, you know, and I can't do, I have to just come back to me and, and be focused on me and my work. Well, and I think that, you know, you and I are coming at this, and I, and I think that that's why I love doing this podcast with you, because I feel like at someone that has, like, a lot of long-term sobriety in AA, and then coming up in May, uh, it's going to be, um, no, it's going to be, it's going to be nine years in May for me in SLAA, I feel like that the priorities shift, and, like, the needs from recovery change, And so I think that uh, perhaps it's the nature of how 12-step is um, sort of like, um, I don't want to say gamed, but structured, that it is for the newcomer and it is for people that are really trying to, you know. Where you're in that pain and you need to extract yourself from it, yes. Right. But so, you know, my life is not unmanageable today. And... um, you know, and even though I can be powerless over certain things, I'm not powerless over my sex and love addiction um, in terms of like what's going on today. But do you notice too that your tolerance is less? Like I have a for BS l- for bullshit or yeah. 
or pain. Oh, hell or, yeah. You know, even if it's just slightly. I mean, yes. I don't get into this place where I'm like crying at work and I'll lose my job. All of the stuff that brought me in here. Right. But, you know, I find discomfort in a relationship and it's like, I have to fix it. Well, sure. And I was just talking to someone on the way over here that I feel like when I am not feeling great, then when then something is troubling me, I'm like, what is going on? Because for me as an addict, I know that it is cumulative. If I allow that cancer to grow, you know, it can debilitate right. me. So, so when I'm in discomfort or pain, I'm like, what's going on? And when I can pull it apart and look at it and say, oh, it's a mother trigger. Or, oh, it's, you know. PTSD. Uh, or, right. Yes. Or, you know, someone's violated my boundaries. And then I can go ahead and then I'm like, okay, now I know how to, like, you know, work around that. Because I feel, and I said this yes, maybe it was on Thursday night, I went to a meeting, that I feel like the mandate of 12-step recovery is to be happy, joyous, and free. And the freedom is freedom from the bondage of self. It's like, this is, you know, I, I, I make up shit. It, it's, it's me. It's my head. It's like they say it's an inside job. I mean, it's all what's going on between these two ears I mean, nobody comes to me and puts a bullet to my head and said, you need to act out and send your sex and love addiction. I mean, it was all an idea that I had. And I love that phrase, you know, my best thinking got, got me, me here. here. <laughs> right? I'm so smart. <laughs> right. And so for me, you know, I continue to go to program because it's still a rich experience for me that I can go and, and learn things. And, and I believe that for me, higher power speaks to other people that... Um, I hear higher power when I meditate, which I don't do as much as I feel like I should. I'm using quotation marks. I don't want to should all over myself. But, you know, there are things that uh, I do more easily and going to meetings and hearing other people share their experience, strength and hope makes me feel less lonely, makes me feel more connected with people who are like-minded, that they get me. I think we're so lucky there. And I wish this for every person who does not have a program because it it takes a very it takes a lot of pain and you got to be really in humble to walk into a 12 step meeting. But I'm telling you the gifts like to be able to go in there and talk about any issue you have, whether it's. Um, you know, don't make enough money. I don't like my lifestyle. Um, traffic, people, everything can come back. And the twelve-step program. I remember early on in recovery in AA. I was at an AA meeting, and this I don't know two, three, four years sober. And the leader, it was around the holidays, and the leader was talking about like, so if you go to a party and you're uncomfortable, here's the. And he had this printout, and I was like, ah. Oh, this is like lovely, the things that you can do. First of all, take your own car so that if you don't like where you are, you can leave. Second of all, make sure that you know where your drink is all the time so nobody can roofie you or put or you don't pick up someone else's drink right. and accidentally drink, you know, something like that. You know, and bookend, call your sponsor or someone in the program before and after. There was these like great, and it was like, whoa, man, this is like everybody needs these. That's right. That's what I say. That's gold. You it know, is. that you just mind a big nugget of gold. It is. And we have, you know, so much support. In a couple of weeks ago, there was a person in the 930 Saturday meeting talking about her um, <laughs> issues with a repairman at her house. 
you know. But it yeah. kicked up some stuff for her that she was able to come into a, a meeting and right. share and get some solution. Right. I can only have women repair people in my house because I had a plumber come in, and this is right after Harvey, and young ginger guy, you know. <laughs> oh, a ginger. Those are my favorite. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. We're not going to talk about triggers. Oh, my God. But he came in, and here's what my addict did. My, you know, I wanted to see if he... I didn't realize this until later, but I wanted to see if he was single. And I said, how did y'all do in the storm? The question was like, you know... Yeah, you are, and your whoever. Whoever. And he said, oh, we're fine, my wife, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, shut that down. Right. And so, and I thought, there's my addict. She, Those words came out of my mouth. You didn't even think about it. Right. And then he had to come in through my bedroom to get to the bathroom. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'm so glad my bed is made, you know, because there's like a man cares. in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all this crazy <laughs> shit that went on in my head. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, my addict is alive and well. And, I mean, for me to go to a meeting and to talk about that and then to, you know, share To diffuse it. You take all the power out of it by talking about it. And then to know that I need to, I didn't know that I needed to create a strategy around that. But now I do need to know. Or if there's going to be a plumber come over my house, have a friend over. You know, have somebody that's there or, you know, have a plan to, you know, go to a meeting right after. I mean, there's a ton of different things. But, you know, and that's like, you know, when we learn about, like, the resources available to us, I feel less powerless. I feel less helpless. Right. That I can take an action that's a constructive, positive action. And so that's why I keep coming back is because I guess I'm sicker than most but, you know, I feel like I want more. I want more recovery. I want more happiness. And uh, and this is, you know, and, and I know that there are people that do tons of different modalities, and I'm not diminishing that. But for me and for this addict, you know, 12-step recovery is the deal. But, like, for me, so I, and you know this, I have a group that meets on Saturday nights, and we um, talk about elevating our lives and bringing into our lives the things that we want and um, all of these women work really hard on this. And last night, one of the um, one of the bullet points was it's an inside job, and that when you are looking for a solution outside, then that's where you're separated from whatever it is that you want. Interesting. And the same is true in sobriety. Yeah. You know, I came in here because I was looking outside of me. Uh-huh. I wanted that guy to make me feel a certain way. Yeah. And when he was in my presence, it did. It was like electrifying. It was intoxicating. And then when he was gone and he would withhold his presence from me, it was I was debilitated. You I had no like an automatic power. withdrawal. It's like, you know, my drug is gone. Yes. Yeah. And it was just that only that would do. Yeah. So I had to learn how to create that feeling within myself without him. And that's what the whole level of recovery is for, is is about for me, is learning how to feel the way that I want to feel. I know how to get high. I still love getting high. But I get high doing this. Sure. I get working high, out. Working out. Working with <coughs> another woman. Yeah. Standing, public speaking. That works every time. And that lasts a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Acting, yeah. Right. You know, yes, right. exactly. Right. Whatever right. it is. But... I wouldn't have known all of those things if I hadn't taken that drug of choice 
that man out of my life, gone through the withdrawal, then really studied myself. Right. Like I really know myself now. I know myself very well. I know what gets me high. I know what works. And I can do that and use those things in my life. They're pure. Well, and, and what I want to talk about is, you know, this concept of golden and shadow. Because it's, um, <clears throat> you know, when you say that you get high off public speaking, uh, you know, I think that that's not a bad thing to our listeners. But my therapist used to talk about it from this construct of Carl Jung, which talks about, you know, the, the golden and the shadow, is that there there are it's two different aspects of the same thing so my need for attention is a core wound of mine from my family of origin that I was baby number five you know my mother was a workaholic my father was emotionally unavailable sat back in his bedroom watching his tv smoking cigarettes that's what he did never went to any of my my school functions never cared a shit about me he would engage and I would like talk with him but he was never really interested in what I had to do. And my mother was absent because of a workaholism because my father didn't do anything. So, you know, when she had all these kids and housework and everything, and I was just like the last one to get any resources. So I developed this need for attention. And so I was able to get this need for attention met through using my sexuality because men will definitely pay attention to you. Well, and you can start 14, 15 years old, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, this works. And this is real intense attention. Mm -hmm. and and, intoxicating. And, intoxicating and like it's like a you know feedback loop they talk about. So I learned that, and that became shadow, you know, like going to biker bars and disrobing. I mean, you get a lot of attention doing that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> listeners, listeners. This is not a recommendation, by no, the way. No, <laughs> this is not. That shadow. Don't go to the shadow. So, you know, the flip side of that, the golden side of that, are doing things like public speaking, are doing things like, you know, um, being an actor, or, you know, a comedian, or doing something where you are getting attention, and it's all above board. It's all, right. like, appropriate. It's all, like, you know... Uh, codified in sort of a, an, an approved societal way where it does feel good. There is, you know, a little bit of, a, you know, uh, energetic zing yeah. uh, from that. But it's sort of like eating fruit instead of like, you know, refined Candy sugar. bar. Yes, Candy exactly. Bar. exactly. So uh, it, it's not so triggering. And there are people in the acting community that, you know, they get addicted. They got to continually do do you know, show after show, and I'm not one of those people. But, but that's true with, you know, and, and it's just a level, you know, like what, at what level are you, you know, what are you doing with your stuff? Yeah. You know, and I yes. do think that like one of the things that really helped me um, with this is figuring out, knowing myself and knowing what my skill set was, you know, what am I good at? What, what, what skills do I have and that I've learned that can serve me? And, and serve others, Elizabeth. I exactly. Mean, you know, and because I, I do believe that when we are doing our highest work, that it does serve others. It, it does. does help others. It does help others. And I also believe, MG, that if you don't, at a certain age, women need to ha continually have babies. We are born to create, and if we're not having babies, and by having babies, I mean creating something. Pouring your heart and soul into something and birthing it, then your shit will squeeze out. 
And I think that's exactly what happened to me. I had no creative outlet. I was working. I had a good job, but I was, and here comes this dude paying attention to me. And all of my energy went into creating him, making right. him be the way I wanted to be. Right. And It um, took your focus. It did. Right. It did. Well, I'm telling you right now, you're very prolific. You've been having babies all over the place. I have. <laughs> And I've been having so much fun. Yeah. And it's been really productive, too. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. I encourage you, if you're listening and you have, you know, if you just want to email us and, and ask, well, what do you mean by this baby? Email us at um, Sober Sisters Talk at Gmail. Because the, sometimes, you know, this isn't talked about in meetings, things like this. Right. And um, right. even like leaving and coming back or why do people leave? It, it's not usually discussed in meetings it's like right. the shadow side of 12 step you right know, we don't right. talk about that <laughs> yeah we don't talk about you know all the people and, that have loved right and and you know for me like coming from an aa perspective and that judgmental thing it's like you know i want to put a negative connotation to that and i want to say that you know people are just living their lives and doing their deal and i like to think that if you've ever gone to a 12 step meeting and you've gotten anything out of it then that's been useful but that i also want to welcome people back like you know like an aa i can remember seeing people who had had a slip it was really difficult for them to come back right. because they knew how judgmental shame, people would yeah. be and I would say the people that did come back showed an uh, amazing amount of courage and resilience that they would be willing to, you know, come back with that feeling of censure. And so, you know, so if there's someone out there that you've been to salon, you had a negative experience, you know, come back in again because it changes all the time. People or come any, and go, program, any program. Any program. Any 12-step program. Right. And, you know, I wanted to say something, too, because I remember I'm reminded of a conversation we had on the phone, um, you were struggling with a few sponsees that were slipping, going in and out, and you were like, I don't really know what to do. And as we talked, and this is one of the benefits of having a sponsor or going to meetings, because as you talk, the answer will come. It's rare yes. that I really give the answer to a sponsee. They come up with it themselves. And you reminded me that, like, if you are struggling, you know, when when Bill and Dr. Bob, they were very early on in their in working this program and they'd been going into hospitals and pulling these drunks out of there, people that, you know, guys that were like, you know, hopeless cases to the hospitals and they were, you know, working this program with step one, two, three, four, but nobody was sticking. And one of them said to the other, like, what are we gonna do? This it doesn't seem to be working. And the other one says, well, it is working because we're sober. It's working for us. It's working for us. And that talks about service. And it it, it works. It does work. And so, you know, I, I'm encouraging all my sponsees, they've gotten to a level of their step work that, you know, they need to get sponsees. They need to continue being of service, you know, leading and chairing meetings and uh, continuing to show up at meetings and so that was one of the things I got out of that conversation. Me too. And in yeah. SLAA, you don't have to sponsor somebody. I always encourage mine as soon as they finish step five, all right, go go get a sponsee. Because I think it pushes you, because you get a lot of relief after you do that step. And yeah. um, a lot of people fall back and stop, you know. But if you've got someone on your ass, like yes. working step three Ooh. and you're on six, you will continue to work. 
and they will chase you because you have to so that you know and that happened to me which is why I do that but also it just is such a benefit to you you get so much sobriety out of working with somebody else but you don't have to sponsor I have a sponsee right now that she does not go to a lot of meetings she lives you know pretty far out and doesn't get into the city a lot but she is supporting another woman who is in a very similar space for her as oh, her nice and this is creating this like spawn it's just this support relationship that is benefiting they're, both they're called recovery partners recovery partners where they check in with each other mm-hmm. and they you know use them as a sounding board and feedback and and i think that that's so important so I hope you got something out of this today, our dear listeners. We're happy to come into your ears and help you with... Wherever we are, in your car, your home, whatever, sitting at your desk. Just want to remind you, we do have um, a Facebook page, Sober Sisters Talk. Um, On Facebook, it's a business page. If you like this and it doesn't mess with your own anonymity, like and share us. If you have a question... Email us, SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes Podcast. Or you can go to our website, www.SoberSistersTalk.com. You can find all of our episodes. And thank you for listening.